welcome to Book Talk with Yolandi. This is the place where we'll chat about my books, discuss my writing process, and many other bookish topics. Hello again, everyone. Today I want to talk about point of view, simply because I get asked about it so often. Why I write in third point of view, what makes deep third point of view special, and how I choose the viewpoint character for every scene. So let's answer some questions, shall we? Now, I write in third point of view, and specifically in a deep third point of view. Or I mean, I try really hard. But I think it's best to start this discussion with a quick explanation of what deep and shallow points of view are. So, for me, the goal is to immerse a reader into the story as thoroughly as possible. For this, I need to remove my voice and help the reader experience the story as if they were actually in it, and not just reading it. I need to feel like I'm in the story while I write it too. The more immersed I can get during the writing process, the more likely my readers will have a similar experience. So, deep points of view use language and style choices to make that possible. We try to use as few as possible filter words, avoid passive sentence constructs, except of course when they're intentionally needed to enrich the story, and choose descriptions that pull the reader's senses into the reading process. I've written a post or two about deep point of view, and I'll link to that in the description, but I'll just summarize it here too. Filter words are those words we use to tell the reader what the character is thinking, seeing, smelling, etc. These are things like Lance saw the purple mantle, or he heard the mantle's drone, or he smelled, wondered, and felt, among others. If the author has to tell you what the characters are experiencing, that means the author's voice is loud enough to pull the reader out of the story. If I remove those filter words and sharpen the descriptions instead, I paint a more solid picture of the world and the reader might just step into it. What I mean is, instead of telling you he saw and heard the mantle, I could just show it to you. To illustrate, I'll read this passage from A Study of Ash and Smoke. The closer they moved to the churning energy field, the wetter the road became. Mud sloshed under bare feet with every step and splattered onto Lance's calves in sticky droplets. Hopefully it was just mud and not shit, but who was he kidding? The mantle's buzzing was a permanent fixture in a slummer's ear, but the sound became louder as they neared the enormous force field, until the drone was impossible to ignore. Energy, the physician had said. Three layers of deadly energy. Shades of purple twirled and blended underneath the ever-moving surface, which looked smooth to the touch. This close to the base, Lance's hair stood on end with the static. Now, writers of deep point of view want the reader to step inside the story, We want you to be there, to feel the sun, to smell the rain, and to hear the wind through the trees. And of course, this is a tool that can be used in first and third points of view, and probably second, though the only books I've ever read in second point of view were those choose-your-own-adventure stuff I loved as a kid. (laughs) I'd also just like to mention that some authors intentionally use shallow points of view. If an omniscient narrator is involved, for example, you might want that this-is-a-bar-telling-a-tale kind of vibe. You want the reader to know they are being told a story. Also, omniscient stories generally follow slightly different rules, since the reader is kind of a fly on the wall too, 
They have insight into what all of the characters are thinking, feeling and hiding and I guess it would be a bit overwhelming to experience all of that in a deep point of view. But I have to be honest, it's been years since I read a book in an omniscient viewpoint that wasn't Lord of the Rings, of course. It feels to me like writing in this style has gone out of fashion and more people are focusing on the first and third point of views than anything else. At least in the speculative world. Um, I could be wrong though, and if you reckon I am, please let me know in the comments and give me your recommendations. On to why I write in third point of view. This is a very personal thing, but I prefer to read books written in third. This doesn't mean that I never read or enjoy books written in a different point of view. There are some of those books that are really fabulous. I just don't find myself submerging as deeply into those stories. One of the first adult series I ever read was Mary Stewart's Merlin trilogy. I was in my teens at the time, and though I adored those books, I just couldn't put myself in the shoes of the middle-aged male narrator. And though I have been a teenaged girl, I've never related to the first-person heroines in young adult fiction. I can't explain why. All I know is that I can imagine myself as a part of the story when it's told in third point of view, but I've never been able to do so in other kinds of books. If I had to guess, I'd say it might be because I can imagine myself as someone else in the story. I'm the NPC hanging around the edge of the scene. Maybe the maid carrying fresh linen into the duchess's rooms, or the noble lady spying on everyone to one-up them at the next ball. I can be anyone, you know. Just observing the story as it unfolds from a distance, and experiencing the effects of the war or whatever is happening in the story as an involved party. But I can't be the actual protagonist, especially not if they're telling me the story with their own voice. This still doesn't explain why I can be a part of third point of view worlds and not first point of view ones. Maybe there's a deep psychological reason we could explore in future podcasts, or maybe it's just my brain off on its own thing refusing to make sense, as usual. <laughs> also, do let me know how you experience these things. I'd love to know if it's just me or if there are more of us out there. But okay, my preference for writing in third point of view isn't limited to my love of reading it. I've written the odd short story in first point of view and even attempted to write a novel that way. But though the writing came easily enough, something I reckon is thanks to years and years of blogging, the storytelling turned out to be more complicated than I thought. You see, I love having multiple viewpoint characters. Being able to tell you the story as Kara, Lance, Varda and all of the others is one of the most exciting parts of writing. I love figuring out how one of these characters would come at a problem or why they'd react in the ways that they do. I love working out their backstories and motivations and seeing them come alive on a page as fully fledged people, not just fragments of my imagination. And this is even more fun when they don't think or believe the same things that I do. It's interesting and challenging and just generally sparks joy. We're used to having larger casts in speculative fiction, just as we're used to having many of those cast members tell us their sides of the story. Common practice gives us about five or six narrators per book, but I've actually read stories told in third point of view with more than 10 narrators in a single tale. And I mean, it might not be ideal to have so many storytellers at once, but those stories exist and we tend to accept them for what they are. 
In books told from first point of view, though, we generally see only one narrator, and if there are two or three, they tend to feature in a chapter-based sequence. Narrator 1, 2, and 3, then 1, 2, and 3, and so on. Again, there are writers who break out of the mold here. I've read the odd book with even more first-person narrators, but I really enjoy them. To me, it feels like sitting in a conversation where people keep interrupting each other. Later, I'm lost and I don't know who to listen to. This is even worse when I deeply dislike one of the viewpoints. Which again, is strange, <laughs> because I often dislike third-person narrators too, but reading from multiple third viewpoints doesn't cause so much noise in my head. I told you, it makes no sense. Anyway, I find writing from only one or two viewpoints stifling. It's one of those things that causes endless stress and struggle, because I don't always know how to have the story progress without having a character on the ground showing us how stuff has gone down. Large parts of the story would have to happen off-screen, which means I'm stuck finding ways to inform the reader of what has gone down without info-dumping them or straight-up telling them. I've tried to learn, and I'll keep on learning about first-person point of view, and hopefully one day manage to write a full-length novel in this style, even if it's just for me, for practice. But I find deep third storytelling much more rewarding, and it comes more easily to me. For example, I've written myself into corners before. The scene will be really great, or if it's not that great, it'll do what it's supposed to. It'll show the setting, transfer information to the reader, show character growth, progress the story, whatever. But the scene just doesn't fit with the rest of the story. When I just started writing, this meant rewriting the entire novel. Yeah, <laughs> this is why A Study of Ash and Smoke took me like five years and seven drafts to complete. These days, though, if the scene is good or it could be good, I instinctively rewrite it from a different character's point of view. Nine out of ten times, this solves the problem. It saves me weeks' worth of work and often comes with some gems in terms of story continuation. And it makes sense, right? Because the character now showing the scene thinks in a different way from the one I was using as the focal point before, which means fresh perspective and bright solutions to those problems that might pop up. When it comes to how I choose characters for specific chapters, it's a bit more complex. Most of the time, my choice comes down to instinct. For Ash and Smoke, I had five viewpoint characters, but I added one for A Trial of Sparks and Kindling, which means there will be six going forward. Each character has to feature often enough for the reader to bond with them, but I can also only give the character screen time if they have something to offer in terms of plot progression. So I work on the basis of having one viewpoint character per chapter, and I try to have each narration cast member feature at least once every 10 chapters. The more important their stories become, the more often they'll feature, while the others will move off stage for the moment. It's a juggling game sometimes, because I also have to consider foreshadowing and the initial setup for later events. If a cast member is stuck in one place for a third of the story, like let's say someone is in the dungeon beneath the castle, chances are not that much is going to change for them. Except maybe if you're writing a prison break kind of story. The characters who can move freely will likely progress the story much more than the one who is incarcerated, which means the air quotes camera will follow them. But the moment the jailbreak does happen, the camera will return to that character. So I try to include a setup chapter for each character, and I pop these early in the novel. 
This chapter basically exists to remind us how we last saw the character in question, show us their current circumstances, and also gives me the opportunity to foreshadow what needs to be foreshadowed. If I can work in an event that will spark character growth, progress the plot, or establish relationships and so on, great. But if not, the recap and foreshadowing should mean a short chapter that still has worth in the greater scheme of things. I also use this rule to introduce new cast members. If someone new will narrate part of the story, it's extremely important to me to show them to the reader by chapter 10. I don't know why this is my cutoff, it just is. <laughs> Maybe 10 is a magic number. But the viewpoint cast must be established early in the story. So this also means that you'll see each of the viewpoints in my novels by chapter 10. That doesn't mean that every new character will be introduced early on in the story. It just means that you'll know who will tell you their stories by then. If a character only serves a purpose by chapter 30, you'll only see them then. I will try to mention them before then though, but only if it won't take away from the story in general. For example, I mention a few characters in Sparks and Kindling, and a lot of them seem to be just names thrown about in conversations. Others are established in a bit more detail, but almost all of those characters are formally introduced in Book 3. In fact, some of the cast members featured in Book 3 are already mentioned in passing in Ash and Smoke. I find that big casts can become seriously confusing, but it's easier to keep track of the characters if I've at least read their names somewhere before. I really hope this helps readers of my books too. Also, I generally try to have the first name mentioned in any chapter also be the name of the narrator of that chapter. This isn't always the case in Ash and Smoke because I wasn't as experienced as I am now and I know of one chapter where I intentionally didn't follow this unspoken rule in Sparks and Kindling, but for the most part you can bank on it. If it says Kara at the top of the page, even in dialogue, she's most likely the narrator. This silly little rule also makes it really easy for me to scan the document and make sure each cast member is getting enough screen time. It's simple but effective. And I think that's about it. I can't think of anything else to add to this topic, but if you can, comment below and we'll chat. Also, I'll drop some links to my books in the description. If you're into gritty gas lamp fantasy with strong medical and political flavors, these are the books for you. And finally, if you like the podcast, consider checking out my Patreon page. For as low as two Canadian dollars per month, you'll receive a bunch of exclusive content, including a bonus podcast episode each month. In August, we chatted about the research resources I use for writing medical and combat scenes. It was a fun one to record, and I'll also leave a link to that below. And that's it for me. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Book Talk with Yulandi. If you'd like to connect, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also find me on my website, www.yulandihorak.com. The music is River Meditation by Jason Shaw.